Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Church is an assembly of believers believers of the center. 
that's what they do. And in the, in the New Testament, it's the, 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 church, the, the name, the Greek name is Ecclesia, but that's not where it started. Ecclesia is a, is a Greek term for assembly, and it was, and I said this before, it was before Christianity, the word was still there, and it was a word for assembly of young people who are old enough to vote. Right? Then as time continued on, Christians took over the word, and it became an assembly where Jesus is the center. That's the church. So any time you have an assembly where Jesus is Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thought of a joke there. It's like two mice up at, up two mice in, in, in front of our mouth hole. And it says, we'd like to tell you about Jesus. And they have a, have a piece of cheese. Anyway. <laughs> it's going to be one of those mornings. An assembly is, is, is where Jesus is the center. And so we have church going on all over Cranbrook, all over BC, all over Canada, all over North America, all over the world. And not necessarily just on this time, because it's not about time, it's not about a day, it's about whether or not people, believers, are coming together and they're centering around Jesus. That's where the church is. And the church, whether we, it looks like this, or it looks like organs and hymnals, or it looks like smoke machines and fancy lights, it's God's idea. Because as the centuries have, have progressed from the time of, of, of Acts to the time that Jesus died and rose again, the, the church has changed and it has evolved and some would say, oh, it's been influenced by Augustine. Oh, it's agnostic. Oh, it is just, and everybody concentrates on the negative of what church is. And yet we fail to realize where Jesus is actually gathering his people around him. That's where the, that's the church. And so you can have three, three people, like the Bible says, where, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. What does that mean? It means when two or more are gathered and Jesus is the center, he's there. There's a presence. Why is he there? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. And that's why we can be talking with friends, talking with family about testimonies, or just talking in general, and, and all of a sudden something happens, there's a shift in the atmosphere, and we realize that, wow, I can just feel his presence. Why is that? Because he's there with us. That's the church. So the church looks different everywhere. The church looks, you know, when you, if you go to the Lutheran church in town here, it's going to look a lot different. It was there last month or last a couple weeks ago for, for a ministerial meeting, and it's, it's just got a different feel than we have. But it's still, it's still God's heart. Because he's doing something that, that the, the church is diverse, right? So there's home churches, there's bright lights and haze churches, there's organs and hymnals and uh, and all have a place in the body. The one thing we are not known for in the church is accepting one another's differences. We, we, we have, you know, we, we started House of Hope 10 years ago because we felt like everything else that was going on was, was just, it, it wasn't us. And so we had the freedom. There's a ring going on, Dan. I don't know what that is. Um, a ring or a hollowness makes me getting worse. Um, my kids, we're going to talk about them later. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. So much. <laughs> um, you know, we're not, we're not known, yeah, they are my kids, we're not known for celebrating each other's differences. Now, we're a body, and, and the body is whole, and Jesus is the head. Right? That is a scriptural principle. Like Paul talks about that. And we all have to celebrate each aspect of the body. But we're not known for that. We're not known for celebrating the aspects of the body. We're not known for celebrating the differences of the body. Actually, what we're known more for is attacking the body, attacking the differences, and actually what that is like is an autoimmune disease. 
that the body is full of this autoimmune disease where the body actually attacks itself and breaks itself down. And, 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 and I don't know if anybody ever dealt with an autoimmune disease yourself, but I've watched people who have, and it's debilitating. Because, you know, the brain tells the, 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 body, the, the brain tells one part of the body to do something, and they can't because it's attacking itself. It's very much what it's like in the kingdom, you know, the kingdom today when, when we're attacking ourselves. Now, I'm not saying if there's, if, there's, if there's something that's wrong that we don't deal with it. For example, if on our bodies, if, <laughs> if you develop a foot fungus, you're not going to cut the foot off. You're going to use something to deal with the foot fungus. If there's something that's going on in the body that isn't right, we're not going to point at it and scorn it. We're actually going to help to make it better. That's what we should be doing. That's what we should be known for. So, it's okay to have preferences of what you like. You know, there's just two people gathered on a Sunday morning here, and obviously you keep coming back, and there's something there you like. Hopefully it's the preference. Obviously it's not just my magnetizing personality. You know, what do you think? What do you like about House of Hope? You know, we've had people say, oh, the works is great, but the speaking sucks. I'm okay with that. I'm honestly okay with that. Why are you here at the present? We're here for the present. And like, that's why I'm here. And, and that's okay. And it's okay to have preferences. If you travel and you go to different churches and you're like, man, I really like that aspect of it. Occasionally, if Leanne and I are away, We'll, we'll go for a way on a weekend. We'll try to find a church that we've never been to for three weeks. Simply because oftentimes on a Sunday morning we wake up and we're like, I just want to sleep. I just want to have coffee. Let's just laugh. You know, but on the occasion that we have gone to other churches, it actually makes us really, really thankful for, for what we have here. But at the same time, we often leave thinking, I really like this aspect of what they do here. This, uh, this really captures the heart of God in this. I really like that. And when I was younger, I would go, man, that's stupid. That sucks. And as I've gotten a little bit older, a, a little bit older, I, I, um, I really do appreciate the, different, the, the differences in the body. And so I have made it a goal of myself in the last year or so not criticize other churches because I don't know what's going on there. I can I can see what the fruit is, but if it's anything like me, there's trouble going on there. There's you know the pastors have issues and and, and, and I'm going, I just want to know what can I do to help? Right? Because we need to care to be known for love and acceptance of our body and not for attacking ourselves. The book of Acts gives us a, a really good picture of what a thriving church looks like. And so we're going to read that, read this. Um, look at Acts 2. I'm going to pause there for a second. I forgot to do this earlier. I always do this in my meetings. Is anybody here fighting nausea? Nausea. Like, you feel like you're going to puke. Is at home. Hmm. Let's just pray for Kathleen right there. Father, we just, re- re- we just, um, we just release the truth and the presence of Kathleen and anyone else actually that's connected to us. I don't know because of nausea, whether it's the flu, whether it's something else. Father, we just ask your presence to, 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 to surround them, to create over them. I just felt really nauseous before I started speaking. I was drinking copious amounts of water thinking it was just me. But, um, maybe it's just the water. All right. Actually, let's look at um, verse 40. 
Peter preached to them and warned them these words, being rescued from the wayward and from the culture of the world. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. It's like a priest and all of a sudden 3,000 people come to the Lord, come to the, come into the, come into the body, come in, join the body, get revitalized, get renewed. That'd be amazing. <clears throat> Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000 and they were all baptized and added to the church. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teaching of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All of the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they did. And they shared with one another whatever they did, out of generosity and even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. And they shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with the praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. The Lord kept adding to their number daily. going on, but the Lord kept adding to their number daily. Do we see that today? Is that part of, and again, this is not a guilt thing at all. This is just a simple question. It's like, if we're not growing daily, then I think we're missing something in our walk. And it's just like, this isn't even in my notes. This is just, this is what John Jerry was always reading that day. The Lord kept adding to their number daily to those who were coming to life. Yep. And they probably just split off of the ones that were already there. So, there's a few things that stand out to me in this, in this, in this verse. There's there's some keys, and like I said, I'm calling this keys to a thriving church. Is that the first one that I want to highlight is that we are called to be a distinctive, unique, and shining example of what God's family is designed to be. That's what we're called to do. If we are calling ourselves believers in Jesus, and are walking in His ways, then actually we what it takes to help others who don't have it. And that's part of our call, is that we're called to be a distinctive, unique, and shining example of what God, what God is calling us, of what God's family is. So the number one, this is not the number one, this is out of the point of six. The first way um, you need to realize that coming out of that is that there's another way to live. We have been taught you know, when you grow up, you're in a family, whether it's functional or non-functional, dysfunctional, high-functioning, low-functioning, whatever it is, you know, you're born into a family, and maybe it's not a family, maybe it's, you know, whatever, and you grow up, and you're taught, and maybe you're taught wrong, I don't know what is right and wrong, and these are the things you grow up with. And it's like, and then, and then you, you go to school, graduate, you go to college maybe, you get a job, maybe it's not a great job, and you spend 20 years as a not a great job, and you pay bills, and maybe you get married, maybe not, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, you know, maybe you get into trouble, maybe you don't, and then you die. <laughs> that's the world's method, I, and I, that's truncated, obviously, right? You get born, you grow up, and you die. There's life. Jesus came, and he's like, there's another way. There's another way. And if we can figure out what that way is, then we're going to be high, way, 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 way more successful, and way, way, way more happy, way, way, way more secure, way, way, way more wealthy. If we can understand that when Jesus came, he gave us another way to live. But we get caught in a normal way of doing things. I said, I don't know if it was last week or I said, you know, 
You don't, you don't grow up, pay bills, and then die. That's not what God has called us to do. To do. Sometimes, sometimes that's what it feels like, right? Jesus came in a time that was one of the most violent, atheistic, agnostic, violent times in, in history. And that was the Roman Empire. There were things going on then that you would just, it would blow. If we think things are bad now, and I really don't think things are that bad, but if we think things are bad now, do some history. Do some checking in history. And the Roman Empire is high on the list of things you don't want to give up. And yet Jesus decided in his wisdom, as, he, as him and the Father were in heaven talking, and they're going, hey, when do you think it'll trickle down? And Jesus is like, well, that's probably the worst time in history, so we can keep it. Let's, let's do that. Okay. And so what Jesus did is he came down, and then he lived his life in a way that was absolutely amazing, and then recorded it, and they, as they recorded it, we can actually look back and see how Jesus situated himself to deal with problems. Jesus had a unique way of dealing with unbelief. Jesus had a unique way of dealing with broken relationships. Jesus had a unique way of dealing with food shortages. Jesus had a unique way of, of, of dealing with death. And yet, oftentimes, we get caught up in our normal lives, and we go, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't do this. I can't. How am I going to walk through this? I don't know what to do. What we need to do is actually, we have the benefit of seeing Jesus in action through the Word. And if we're not scouring the Word for what our problem is, then we're missing the point. We're actually just, what's the word, we we're partnering with the spirit of this age instead of partnering with the spirit of God. Because Jesus has given us, he's given us the answers. You're like, well, I disagree with you. There is nothing in the Bible that deals with what I'm dealing with. I disagree with you. And I say the spirit and the heart of every specific situation in your life is found in answers. Studying the life of Jesus. May not be specifically, it may not be specifically this, because there's a number of things that are going on today that aren't in the Bible. You know, ways to pre- prepare ham, for example, not in the Bible. You know, dealing with um, dealing with sexual identity. How do we do that? It's not in the Bible, but the Spirit is. The things that are surrounding it all. Identity, who you are. I'm not going to hear. I'm just going to grab it forever. All I'm saying is Jesus has given us the ability to live another way. And we need to accept that. And if we want to be successful, happy, wealthy, whatever it is that we need, we need to be If we run into an impossible situation and we don't know what to do, we need to open our first response needs to be to open up the word and scour it and find out what Jesus would do in that situation. It's okay once in a while to turn to our friends and turn to our experience, as long as our friends and our experience are actually, that Jesus is still the center of those. How many times of us have we, right, taking us a drink, how many times have we gone into a situation and going, oh, I've been here before, I'm going to, the answer is, because of my experience, I'm going to do this. But what we fail to look at is the fact that the results of my experience the last time weren't really good. But it's habit in human nature that says, I'm just going to do what I know. I'm going to ask my friend, hey, friend, what would you do in this situation? Well, let me tell you what I know you do in this situation. I did this. Did it work for you? No. But, I'm gonna, but, I, but I did Oh, okay, I'm going to try it. didn't work for you, but it might work for me. How is it that we fail to actually ask Jesus for the solution? And then we get all twisted and bitter because, because the product of our actions in this situation doesn't give us release 
doesn't give us hope. doesn't give us truth. And then he gets bitter at God and he's like, you said you would protect me. And he's like, I did. And he did protect you. So how come I'm in this situation? And you didn't ask me for my thing. You see, that's I see that. So the first step, how, how did you handle this situation? How did you handle food shortages? How did you handle loss of money? How did you handle tax bills? How did you handle He's going to show you. He's going to give it to give you a specific way of dealing with your issues and your problems. And that's the beauty of what he, he made. Now, the second one is the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Oftentimes, we fail to understand that, there's, that we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like this X factor in our lives that the believer in Jesus who has the Holy Spirit, now, every believer of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into any theological debates. But we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the Comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, earlier on in this, in this chapter, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says, I continually am being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is we get into a situation, and the world says one plus one equals two, and you are in a hopeless situation. You are in a hopeless situation. You are bankrupt. You have, you have done everything that you can to, 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 to do a business or whatever, and then the world says, no, you're le- losing more money than you could possibly imagine. Your next step is bankruptcy. Enter the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives you an idea, and boom, one plus one equals a billion. Because the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives gives us that extra X factor that the others don't have, and we are connected, and we can walk successfully in life because, yes, we have the Holy Spirit. We're on the Holy Spirit's team. And I think oftentimes we forget who the Holy Spirit is in us. It doesn't make sense sometimes. Josh was telling me about a friend of his. Um, they were interns together. And, um, you know, we all remember the, the Reading fire that took out a quarter of the city. And now our, he has um, his friend, I forget his friend's name, just call him George. George had a house. And and um, and an hour, or he went into an insurance company, and the fire was coming. <laughs> and we, he got fire insurance. And there was a lady there, and she's like, yeah, here you go. Sign him up, full package, full everything, beautiful package. Find it, paid whatever he needs to pay. An hour later, his home was destroyed by the fire. Now, the crazy thing is, well, for one, yeah, that he was able to buy insurance an hour before, because I mean, we tried that the year before we moved. We tried to get insurance um, to renew our insurance because there was fires around and they wouldn't do it. That was just the threat, right? Here's an hour, like the fire is there. So after the fire, he like he, he came out amazing. Like everything was provided, everything was done. He came out, looked, looked, and smelled like roses. This is the crazy part. He went into the office to to, to find the lady that sold him the insurance to thank her. And there was no record of her ever working there. Who she was, nobody knew who she was. You're absolutely crazy. You're not. There's nobody. He's like, I had an angel as an insurance salesperson. The only right, and it's just crazy. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the, you know, God can, God can win with a pair of keys. If you're playing poker, you can win. You can win the hand with a pair of keys. That's exactly what it is. The Holy Spirit in us, working in us, and us accessing the Holy Spirit, we can win. We win with a pair of keys. I'm not a poker player. Anybody else here play poker? Gander. So, he gets the analogy. But I want you to—I want you to look at me. Like, look at me. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a way more powerful statement 
than the response that I'm getting. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You do. And it's the it's the waking up with the with the with the feeling, waking up with the anticipation of Holy Spirit, what are we gonna do today? What are we gonna do today? Having that expectation that today is going to be the best day of our lives, Holy Spirit, because you are here and we get I get to partner with you on what we're gonna do. Because that's what we have. That's why I believe the church was being added daily to the numbers were being added daily to the church. Is because they had an expectation, they had they had an excitement of what was gonna happen that day. It wasn't just wake up, feed the kids, walk the dog, make meals, worship. Pay bills. They had an expectation of when they pull up to the Starbucks line that they have a word for the, for the, for the lady who's just been yelled at because some pastors yell at her because she's up there. I'm just kidding, I don't yell at them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, I want us to, and this is some homework. This is the homework. I don't know, maybe some of you who remember this from two weeks ago. This is your homework. Wake up this week with the anticipation of what the Holy Spirit's going to do through you this week. Monday morning, wake up. Holy Spirit, what are we going to do today? Who am I going to talk to? What, how am I going to love on somebody? And then look for the testimony. Look for the breakthrough. If we, what, what would happen if even just half of you, Monday morning, would wake up and they live their day in the Holy Spirit, asking for direction, asking for just something different? What would our week look like? Even if it just happened once, the testimonies, the, the, the power that would be released of love. Because I don't want to live my life just being a block. I don't think I have, but I just I don't want to get into that. Alright, third thing. I'm gonna move along. We are all designed and 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 we have a desire to be disciples. The early church, they started, they said, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Now, where did the apostles get their teaching from? Jesus. They lived with Jesus for three years. And all but, what was his name? Judas. All the Judas was, you know, they made it. And so living with Jesus for three years gave them everything that they needed to say, this is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus acted. This is what Jesus, Jesus' love and how he did it. And so as they led, people followed them. They were being disciples. Now we can choose. It's in our power to choose whether or not we want to be discipled by Jesus or we want to be disciples, disciples by the world. It, it, there's no in-between. It's like we either, either choose to be a disciple of Jesus, or we choose to be a disciple of the current culture. We have to choose one. And if we're like, well, you know, I'm okay, we wait. Because we'll be fixed. Well, you know, like, there's, there's a lot of things that I really agree with of what's happening today in our culture. We almost physically have to declare every morning or every day or whatever works for you. It's like, today, Jesus, I choose to be discipled by you. I choose you, Jesus. You're never going to say, oh, I choose the world. Oh, I choose culture. Oh, I choose this. We don't, you know, we, we know we're not, we, we don't do that. But we often get stuck into or being discipled by this culture. I find myself, because there's just so much going on. There's like, okay, do I accept this? Or how do I accept this? Or do I walk through this? And there's blogs, and there's, and there's, there's podcasts, and there's Instagram stories. And I'm like, oh! And I have to realize, I'm going, okay, Jesus, how does this line up to your heart and who you are? 
I choose you Jesus to disciple me today so that in turn I can disciple others in who you are. And it's 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 big. The early church chose to study the ways of Jesus, not the way of the culture. It would have been very easy for them just to go, oh, we have slaves. Oh, we have this. Oh. And it didn't line up with what Jesus was saying. Culture is strong. Culture is strong. But we can't get underneath the common belief of culture and still be disciples of Jesus. All right, number four. The early church, they did life together. We talked about this a lot. We talked about this tons because our desire as a family is we do life together. Now, do we come together every night as a group? Nope. We come together every week, mostly. We have three hours together. Is that enough? For some people, it's enough. Others, like, nope, I need more. You have to have what the early church had was that family connection where they met daily, they had a meal, they took communion, and they did life together. Sometimes that doesn't work for us. Different culture, different time. And this is where I want to get in, is that the heart is if you need something, you need to reach out. And I try to make it, we've been just a little bit chaotic in the last couple of months, so we try at least once a month to have people over and have a meal and just nothing pastoral. It's just, hey, I want to get to know you. Let's just hang out. It's like two couples together and play a game or laugh or whatever. Nothing spiritual about it, and yet it's doing life. And yet Deanna and I and our leadership team, we spend more time together because we're running together and we're, we need to trust each other. This is where doing life together happens as a family, is where you learn to trust people because you, you have a meal together or you, you go for a walk together or you, you struggle together or you, you triumph together. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. The, the early church, if you look at the history, they weren't perfect either. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians saying, hey, you're sleeping with your stepmother. Stop it. <laughs> right? Like they weren't they weren't perfect. But they had a heart to be connected. And they knew that there was strength in the family. There was strength in doing as a in doing life together. We're part of a big family. And sometimes being part of a big family means that we lose out some of our identities. Like I just feel I just feel like I'm not connected. That's when we feel like we're not connected, we actually need to reach out. And I know that goes counter, that's counterintuitive to when we're feeling disconnected. We, we don't feel, we feel disconnected because we don't feel the comfort or the, the ability to reach out. But who's in your circle? Who, who knows you well enough to know, oh, Randy, I haven't talked to him in 10 days. I should probably give him a quick text. And just as I'm about to text him, he texts me and says, I think you need to do lunch tonight. And I'm just texting him. Right. It's the ability, the, 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 the desire to not to live wallowing in an orphan spirit, but to say, I'm feeling disconnected. I need people. And not to blame people for not reaching out to you, but you actually need to reach out to them. Part of you is designed to be influenced by people, and another part of you is designed to influence others. It goes both ways. We need to be the influencers, and we need to be the influenced. We need to know who we have in our life. Are they influencing us to the positive? Are there people in your life that are actually growing you, that are developing you, that are loving you, that are celebrating you? I think there's people in your life, if some of you are here, that there's people in your life that you shouldn't be associating with because they're tearing you down. They're actually 
causing more damage to you than you may not even realize. Actually, there's nobody here with that, so it's all right. Just follow the other people. You need people in your life to encourage you. You need people in life in your life to celebrate you. There, there's people. You need people in your life who tell you the truth. It has not working out. You have to be willing to that, and that's what the the early church did. They got together, and there was a sense of awe that came over them, and they realized that hey, we're connected. All right. Number five, generosity. Key to a thriving church is generosity. Unprecedented generosity existed in the early church. I mean, where else in history do you read where where they would sell everything and lay it up and give the proceeds and the profits and the money at the at the feet of the apostles, and then they trusted the apostles to make sure that it got distributed where it needed to be. So there's there's two different types of generosity. There's the spirit and the culture of generosity, and that's something that we we really worked at developing at House of Hope, where you know even as a leadership team and as a value for the house that we give. That's why we don't charge for conferences, and that's why we, you know, we give, like if somebody has a need, we give, and even personally we learn to give, and that's the culture that we live in. That's the culture that we do, we, you know, if, if, if you hear of a need and I make it known to you, you give, right? And then there's the second one is that I choose to be generous. But then, you know, generosity isn't necessarily something that is automatic in us. It's something that, you know, when we're presented with a need, like, like just to say quietly, you're in, the, you're in the grocery store and the person in front of you, you know, the, the bill is $24.93 and all of a sudden you're like, debit card is gone. And then you're, what you do is you're finding yourself upset because you're taking so long. And you're like, oh, um, let me try this card. No, sorry, sir, that didn't, that card didn't take either. Oh, um, yeah, it's that time of the month, uh, just between paychecks. Um, and here, let me try this. And you find yourself going, ah, I am in need. I always, why is it that I always pick this line? I'm always the one in the slowest line. And it all of a sudden becomes you, and that person in, ahead of you like, okay, I'm sorry, and they walk away, and there's all these groceries, and $24.93, not a lot of groceries, and the, and the teller is putting them away and calling for pickup, and you're just put out. Times like that, where the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to you, saying, pick me your bill, be generous. It's times like that where it's like where you're in the privacy of your own heart, and the Lord gives you a great opportunity just to be generous, whether it's in the line or wherever. It's the early church had this, had this taken, this, they had it, that they were generous. So they had the culture and the spirit of generosity, and then on an individual basis, they chose any given time to be generous. House of Hope, we lost our charitable heart. Not saying that it's going to happen, it would be awful if it did, but would our income as a church, would your giving be affected by the fact that you didn't get a tax receipt from House of Hope? I'm not saying tax receipts or charitables would be wiped out across Canada for everybody and nobody would get a tax receipt. I'm saying, what if churches were deemed non charitable? to ask yourself, you know, would I be as generous with House of Hope or with, with another church if that wasn't there? That's a question. Is my generosity tied to a tax benefit or is it part of who I am as a person? Alright. Final one. Every one of you has a purpose in the kingdom. Nobody here 
have been called to a second-class existence in the body of Christ. Every one of us here in this room has a purpose. Each one of you has a unique purpose in the kingdom. I'm not saying you have a job. You have a purpose. You are supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in the kingdom. And whether or not people have told you separate, told you, what am I trying to say? I think some of you have been in situations where you've been told, shut up. You've been told, sit down. You've been told, be quiet. And you've taken those wrong corrections and you're going, I guess I don't have a purpose. And I'm telling you here today that you have a purpose. And just because somebody had a bad attitude or a wrong heart or a rude or was just stupid doesn't negate you of your purpose in the kingdom. Collectively, he's called us. You know, we're here at House of Hope. We have a purpose. The purpose of House of Hope is to provide a presence for the Holy Spirit, to provide a place for people to come to be healed, to be restored, to be refreshed, to be whatever. That's our purpose. But our assignment is kingdom. If you are called, if you know what your purpose is, oftentimes your purpose will, well, no, your purpose will never change. Your assignment will. That's why we can do things and highlight things. You know, as a house, you give to a specific thing for a time, or you do a specific job for a time, or, you know, we rally around this, because that was what the Holy Spirit was highlighting to us. And then all of a sudden, it's new, it's over here. Wow, we're doing this, but our purpose is still the same. And it's the same for individuals as well. You have a purpose. Look at, look at our Crozier family. I have three kids. Three kids. Andrew, Zach, and Natalie. And then there's Deanna and I. Two dogs and a cat. Two dogs and a cat don't really play into this. I just thought I had to throw that out there. So there's Andrew, Zach, and Maddie, our, our kids. They carry the last name Crozier. They walk with all of the representation of our family. They carry our DNA. They have our core values. Core values that Deanne and I have installed into them in the last 24 years. Andrew's going to be 25 this April. Next Christmas, 25. <laughs> they carry the values. We have our history. We have our experience. We have everything that comes with the last name of Crozier. Right? But what's really fun is each one of those kids is completely different. Completely, utterly different. You can actually have Zach and Andrew stand together and someone would never know that they're actually brothers. Because they're so different. In everything. Everyone is unique and brings strength. Every one of my kids are so unique that they bring strength to the Crozier household. Every one of you carry DNA. Every one of you carry experiences in the Holy Spirit, experiences in life, and you are you are you are unique to the body of Christ. The question is, who's more dramatic than your family? Me or Maddie? That's the question. <laughs> thinking of me. I'm still more dramatic. But we're unique. Does that make sense? We are called to be a thriving church. And I believe the House of Hope will nail this in a lot of ways. But we're still growing. We're still learning. And as we take these keys, these, these six keys, I believe as the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts, going to be an explosion of goodness over us. Let's stand. I usually ask you to put the hand on your heart, but I want you to join hands. Grab hands, and if you can't, if you don't have any next to you, walk and find somebody so you can actually 
join hands. So if you do not have a hand on both sides of you, I want you to make sure that you have somebody, unless you're on the end, and you can't. So when they're Dennis and Kathy, you guys better join. Now let somebody join with Dennis and Kathy. <laughs> Some Jan and Maddie, you guys just, this is, this is a symbol of, of, of being connected, of being family, of being part of something greater than our individual selves. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for, the, for, the, for your word. I just thank you, and I am so grateful that you gave us the Holy Spirit and your word. You've given us ways to connect with you. You've given us examples of how to live like Jesus. You've given us written examples of what a thriving church looks like. And today I ask you to highlight one thing even that I was that was spoken that would transform our hearts. We would go home and we would ruminate over saying, I need I need this. I need the power of the Holy Spirit more in my life. I need to realize that there's more than just one way of doing things. I need to be discipled. I need to be fed. I need to be connected. that as we embrace and implement these things in our life, that you would release freedom, passion over us. That we would actually be known as a church with a house of hope that celebrates your body. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.